obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. All right. Hello, everybody on Facebook. Um, I'm trying to do a quick multi stream, um, but we're having a little bit of difficulties uh, over on uh, Twitch. Um, but. Uh, I'm going to at least uh, record it and, um, you know, and then we'll see if, if it does come back. Um, uh, anyway, I'm joined uh, with uh, Ken, DC's People's Champion. I'm also joined by Dujanay, who I'll bring in in just a second. I've been trying to get uh, this uh, setup to work, and it's been struggling um, tonight, so I'm sorry for any technical difficulties. But we're going to try to stream on Facebook, and then I'll let the Twitch people know uh, that it's it's not working, and maybe I'll um, try to wire something different for next week. Uh, but I, I did want to get the podcast on and at least started uh, on the Facebook side. But Ken, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. It's a victory Monday. I'm really happy that the commanders were able to open the season up with a hard fought victory over the Cardinals and uh, it's a good, it's a good day. It's a good day. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy that they got this uh, big victory. I, I did talk uh, to Carol yesterday. I had a little 10 minute segment and catch that on our Instagram uh, page and the full uh, post game and pregame on Carol's uh, stuff as well. And Carol wanted to be here tonight, but uh, he unfortunately uh, had some work calling and uh, so work comes first and uh, we said we would cover for him. So I'm happy uh, that uh, champ is joining me uh, live. We're going to bring in our next guest um, uh, here, Dujane, uh who uh, has helped us cover uh, the Washington Commanders, uh, the Washington football team, the Redskins. We've covered it all over the last couple of years. Um, and uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, staying busy. Um, you know, it's that time of year, uh, football and drag racing kind of combined. So it's it's busy working on a new show here, trying to get that put together here, and hopefully we'll be out soon. Yeah, um, I feel so bad for all the uh, the Twitch people that want to be a part of this conversation. I'm going to just direct them uh, right now um, uh, to our page if uh, people want to uh, join us there. And I will share this to a bunch of different groups as well. Um, I am happy that we're going to get this uh, thing at least recorded uh, and put out there. I think it's an important victory. It was interesting. We all picked us to win uh, this game. 
but um, which is the only time or one of the very few times that happens this whole season. Uh, our picks are up on the page as well. Uh, but I, I was really happy because we had a really rough first half. And I thought that we uh, had some really bad turnovers um, and our defense did make some stops, uh, but I, I kind of expected a little bit more from them early. Uh, but they got hungry late, and they kind of turned the uh, turnover differential back into our, uh, you know, back our way. And I thought that was a big difference. But Dijon, what, what what are some of your thoughts on uh, this game? Um, as I will share it to a couple of groups as well. I think a lot of people just underestimated uh, the Arizona Cardinals. They've been had a defense. Um, I understand that their quarterback is Josh Dobbs, but again, new offense. Um, he's able to do some things with his legs. They do have playmakers at the wide receiver position. So I really just think that, especially the national media, really kind of crapped on them. And I don't think it's as bad as it, it seemed. It sure didn't. Their defense really balled. Uh, came out, was very aggressive. Uh, we understand the O-line um, is a little bit of a point of concern for this football team, but um, I, I really, you know, it's not something that I didn't expect as far as the offensive play goes. Um, you got a second, uh, you know, a second-year quarterback is only starting in his second game. Um, you got an offensive line that's trying to find some type of cohesiveness. They haven't really found that and we saw that at different times during the game uh whether it's missed assignments or they just flat out got beat um but it, this team was resilient and um that's what you need sometimes you're going to win some games like this and it's just uh nice to see that uh this team finally gets one of these close wins that they were dropping especially late in the season last last season yeah i I'm just excited. Um, the energy in the crowd. Uh, we're hoping to have uh, Hurt join us in a little bit um, uh, to talk about the crowd. But I was just, I was happy. It just felt like a new beginning. I know we kind of did this fake rebranding thing a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily love the results of it. He said he's going to stick with those results. Um, I don't necessarily think that. Um, uh, that they should. I think that they should maybe reconsider the commander's name, but I'll, I'll whatever. I, you know, we'll, we'll root for them no matter what they're called. And um, I, I do think it's really important uh, that the team just gets behind this. And as a fandom, we just push. I like that we were sold out, and I like the energy that was in the in, and that kind of helped push them a little bit in the second half. I felt, and I think that we need to ride that, and this needs to be like this turning point chapter. In this history book, we've had some rough couple of years, and uh, I thought that this uh, was really great. I love the rushing touchdown in the second half. You know, when he didn't have anything there, and you know he bootlegged out, and, and he got it himself. And I thought that was a, a big turning point in this game. Uh, and just the fans could really sigh and believe, and they're like, "Oh no, not again!" You know, I started to get a little worried in the first half. Uh, you know, that we maybe overlooked Arizona, but. Uh, DJ, what are some of your thoughts on, on some of that? Well, this team's winning. Nobody's going to give a crap about what it's called. It could be the Washington Teapots. It doesn't matter. As long as they win, I think the name doesn't matter. And I think that's what the ownership sees as well. Um, as far as the offense, uh, first half, um, you know, I thought Arizona did some things uh, really well 
they decided to bring a little heat. Um, that was putting a little stress, especially on the uh, tackles. I do like the way Sam Howe has that feel in the pocket, um, being able to step up, uh, look downfield, or either decide that he's going to run. Uh, the first interception, I mean, it, it was tipped. He gets awarded that, but um, it was an assisted deal there. Uh, if it was a clean throw, I, I believe that's complete. So, unfortunately, um, that was picked off. Uh, the biggest thing that I had a problem with was the fumble. We got to protect the football there, uh, that fumble that goes for a touchdown. Um, and, and you think about it in that first half, right? So, Washington gets a touchdown in the first quarter after, you know, eight plays and a punt. Um, defense was able to come out and get stops, and and then they go six plays, 91 yards for the touchdown. Um, Arizona comes back, gets a field goal, and really the second quarter was was the tough, the tough one. Um, the interception, you've got two fumbles within that, uh, but they also didn't give up any points. Um, with the exception of the, the fumble that turned into a touchdown uh, in, that, in that second quarter. And what I like about what Sam Howell is doing, look, the stats don't look great. But at the end of the day, each time he came back out, no matter what the mistake was, there was no, there was no sign of any of that affecting him. He came back out and continued to fire and it was huge for them. And that at the end of the second quarter to actually go down after giving up 10 points to Arizona uh, on turnovers and get that field goal right before the half. I thought that was huge. Um, that's something we hadn't seen Washington do in quite some time. Uh, and they made it look pretty easy. And of course it's nice when your kicker <laughs> rewards, you know, uh, finishes it by getting and going and kicking that thing and getting it in between the uprights. So um, I, I thought the first half was a slugfest between two defenses. Obviously the turnovers didn't help, but for Washington to still be in the game uh, coming into the second half, uh, despite all that went, went down in the first half was uh, pretty remarkable. It says a lot about uh, this team and it says a lot about your quarterback uh, and his resilience and he's pretty much got ice in his veins. Uh, these things don't really rattle or affect him at all. Yeah, I think that's such a big point because I somehow felt so much better with that field goal at the end of the first half. You know, I did say that that rushing touchdown was kind of the turning point in the second half, but I don't think that that ever happens without that field goal. I think that that was a huge, you know, momentum shift and they could kind of feel a little better about themselves. You know, that, um, you know, some of the missed drives where they still let them score field goal, it was kind of counterbalanced by the field goal at the end of, of the half. And, uh, I, I was just the resiliency of it. It's a, a young team. Uh, I kind of felt that the offensive line and the offense would have growing pains, uh, yep. but I was kind of disappointed by that defense in the first half, but I really felt that they kind of got themselves together and got themselves right and the, just become a dominant force because they, they were fine in the first half. They weren't bad. I don't say they were horrible or anything like that. They they kept them in it. I mean, there was a couple drives that they don't hold them to field goals. It's touchdowns early. The game is over, no doubt. But there wasn't that dominant factor, right, you know, where they're taking the ball away. They're punching him in the face. They're not letting them even get one first down. They're, you know, stopping them behind the line of scrimmage. That sort of what they could be wasn't there. And so it takes time and adjustments, but I was happy to see it. Well, I, I think they did dominate. I mean, 
you take away the interception that really didn't fall on the defense for the touchdown. Um, they really in the first half only allowed two field goals outside outside of that touchdown that was given up from a fumble. Um, right. They stopped them after the fumble with the eight plays, 59 yards. I believe that was Gibson who fumbled the ball uh, down there. Um, they go three plays and punt and got negative one yards, but the offense went four plays, four yards, didn't do anything. Got They got the ball back. They went six plays, 25 yards, did nothing. Yeah. Uh, then, That's true. Then the fumble, then the fumble again. Um, that was the fumble that was for the touchdown, and yeah. that's what really sent it over. Outside of all of that, uh, it's a six-point ball game. Yeah, that, you're right. You're right. I, I I will concede that, but I don't know. I just I don't know. I felt that there was times it seemed that they were moving the ball a little bit better, you know, and then I would have liked early, early, early. But you're right. It, you know, they started to tighten up in the second quarter, and then and so on, and, and then really in the second half they played a, a great game, and they started to become that. Force, because I think we got to be a good running game, great defense, and that's got to be our identity for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, don't take anything away from Arizona. I mean, they've got Connor, they've got Brown, they've got Moore, they've got speed out there, and um, that plays a big part when you have when you're able to get guys in space. That's what they were trying to do. Josh had Josh Dobbs has a you know he doesn't have the quickest wheels but he does have the ability to be able to, you know, move around and buy some time with his legs. Um, and, and I thought they did a pretty good job of that. You know, they were moving the ball a little bit, but for the most part, it was punt team. And if you don't turn it over, <laughs> and you don't get turned over down in your red zone and allow them to get that easy touchdown. You know, that it, it's a different ball game here. Um, if you take away those seven points off the board. So um, yeah. I, I thought yeah, the defense right. really hung in there. Uh, and they really stepped up because I, I said it. I, I really said it in the second half. It was a need for the defense to have a takeaway that was going to put the offense into a short down and distance position to be able to score some points. They needed it. And, and the defense came up big. It was a dry third quarter. But at the end of that third quarter, uh, Montez Sweat, who had been a monster pretty much all day long, uh, was the catalyst to to get that sack fumble and put this offense in position to be able to score a touchdown. Yeah, I want to thank everyone for tuning in on Facebook. Uh, thanks, Carol, for sharing it. Uh, and for all the people uh, that are, are live. And, uh, again, I apologize to some of the Twitch people, but some of the Twitch people came over to Facebook. And so I appreciate uh, Carly and others for joining us uh, over there. I am not going to be streaming the game tonight, so I will rely on some of my other correspondents in the second half to give me scoring updates because I don't want to mess up what we have so far. Uh, but um, it, I do want to announce that Aaron Rodgers did get carted off in that game. Uh, and um, I don't know, Dujanay, do you have any other thoughts on, on the live Monday Night Football game? Uh, other than the fact that I'm pissed that Aaron Rodgers lasted four plays when I needed 30 points to win this daggone fantasy football game, I I'm a little pissed about that. Oh, no. I mean, his highlight moment is running with the American flag. Whoa, Dijonay, I thought you couldn't talk about fantasy, bro. What? <laughs> I'm breaking a little bit of rules here. But... <laughs> I'm trying to help you out, brother. Come on now. Uh, yeah, you know, it's really disrespectful. I'm going to get into that real quick. That's really disrespectful. Networks can talk about fantasy football, but us reporters cannot talk about fantasy football. It, it's absolutely insane. It's ridiculous. We had to let go of uh, some partnerships with uh, DraftKings and so so on 
and yet they're still using that stuff and they have shows about it the hypocritical uh, oh, nature that's of the such NFL. bullshit this is yeah. why I, I have to say my own thoughts on fantasy i don't want to root against my team or the ravens in any situation and i know the best team put forward i'd have to pick some players for other teams that i don't like uh so i refuse to do it uh but um you know i, I enjoy it that's why i do pick them right we all do pick right. them together because we're allowed to at least make picks on games so like right, they have been right. taking that away from us you know thankfully so yeah. uh but uh we will talk about pickup a little bit later, though, and uh, Champ is crushing it this week. Uh, yeah, he's had an excellent week. And, yeah, and so uh, we'll we'll get into that in the second hour and talk about you know the crazy um, uh, NFL as a whole. I, I will ask you real quickly because I know your time is short, uh, Dujane. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on the first week of the NFL as a whole? Uh, and also, uh, I wanted your thoughts on Bama and Texas because I know you're a college football guy as well. And I did a super jinx. Uh, on Bama this week, uh, which Liz is pissed about, but I'm very happy about. But anyway, I want to get your thoughts on both the general NFL and uh, that college game and any other college thoughts you have in the last, like, five minutes before you got to go. I think we're seeing some parity in the league. Um, You know, everybody thought the Falcons were going to be trash, and I understand that they're playing the Panthers, who's got a young quarterback, a young core there, but um, they played well. The Lions, uh, another team, everybody's you know, Kansas City fans making excuses about who they didn't have on the field. But at the end of the day, um, you, you're taking away from the Lions defense that forced uh, Pat Mahomes to throw a lot of high throws and critical third downs that ended up having them to punt the ball. So regardless of who you had on the field or not, um, you know, the Lions defense was still balling and being very disruptive. Um some of the games went the way I thought, you know, the 49ers, Brock Purdy still picking it up right where he left off. Um, you know, Steelers, I think, are still building. Um, at least that's what it looks like. I don't think it's an indictment on Kenny Pickett. I think they'll get it together in time, but they faced a 49ers team that is polished. <laughs> you know, they've got everything in place. The only thing that was the concern was Brock Purdy, and he looked like he was just as healthy as he's ever been uh, in that game. So. Um, not really surprised about the Browns and the Bengals either. Uh, the Browns are a good football team collectively. If they can get the offensive side of the ball together, they were able to do that. Defense just completely dominated the Bengals. And, um, you know, they, they were able to come out and get their, get their, uh, first win of the season. So, um, it's some cool stuff going on in the league, uh, especially with the, you know, the Buccaneers who would have thought that they would have won, uh, especially with Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, he's kind of a roller coaster ride. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this first week in football. Um, I thought it was really funny that we should have had a running clock for the Cowboys and Giants. Um, I, I'm just going to say it. I've been saying it over and over and over and over again. Daniel Jones is not anything special. He is what he is. We saw it at the Senior Bowl. It hasn't changed. Okay. He had a freak year last year. Being able to run the football and run it, and, and Saquon was dominant in that department, but there's a lot of defenses in this division that have gotten better. And as long as uh, we, as long as the, the commanders don't come in and do what they normally do when they play the Giants, forget how to totally play football, and actually come out and do what they need to do, um, it's going to be pretty much the same every time they face a division foe. That's just all it is to it. They overpaid for a below-average quarterback. It is what it is. Okay, and good for him. 
he cashed it in and he was able to do what he needed to do uh, in that time. But, you know, it's a whole year in that offense now. People know what they're going to do. They, they've seen it before. Um, and it's just a matter of execution. And they got completely blowed up uh, defensively. Dallas's defense looks really good. Offensively, I mean, we'll see. I, I still don't believe because Mike McCarthy is the guy called in the place. Yeah. There's a meme on the internet of a wanted poster for Daniel Jones for armed robbery. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Welcome in hurt. All right. We're going to get last ah. question for, for uh, Dijanae, and then we're going to get you out of here. Uh, did you have any uh, final thoughts on the college uh, football uh, before you get out? I, I knew Texas was going to come in and do what they needed to do. Uh, the thing of it, the thing about beating Bama is not falling into the trap of like being caught up in the whole aura of what they are or have been over the last couple of years. Uh, they came in, was very confident. They punched them in the mouth and they just kept on throttling until they, until they got to the end. Um, I couldn't I, believe it. I, I told her to bet a lot on Alabama because it was home and it is against a team that's out of their conference. And that has been like their bread and butter over the last couple of years. And so yeah. I, I was surprised. They have a great quarterback. Uh, he's just not ready yet. Uh, he, he's yeah. a very run first kind of guy, not very accurate with his downfield or mid range throws. He's got an arm that can, he's got a cannon that can throw a deep ball. Um, but he's just not there yet. And uh, Texas just a little bit more polished than, than them. So I, I, I really thought that they were going to come in and get a win. I didn't see it as big as it was, but uh, it, it's nice to see it, them fall. It, it was a quite a game. Yeah, it was rough game for the Aggies, and I won't get into that too much. But thank <laughs> you so much for your time. We'll get you back on next week, and uh, yes, uh, we have another uh, big game, and uh, we'll, we'll break that down. But thank you for joining through the technical difficulties. I want to give a shout-out to all the Twitch people for joining over on Facebook. Almost everybody that was over there on the other side came through over here, so big props to them for, I know, switching platforms is not the easiest. So thank you for everyone for you know sticking with us. And uh, thank you so much for uh, being a part of tonight's show. It's been three months. It's so good to see you. I know, man. Uh, um, and uh, I hope that you have a great week, and we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, brother. And Hurt, you're looking good, baby. You're looking good. Oh, thank, thank you, man. Thank you. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, I was about yes, to sir. say, my man's looking phenomenal I'm right now. And, and, uh, and Hurt, happy belated birthday to Sophie, man. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. She, sure. She's, um, she tried to do everything she could to keep me from physically being able to make the game, but I made it. Nice. It was worth it. All right, fellas, y'all have a great show. And, yes. Uh, it's cool to be back. First, first show of the year. Victory it's gonna Monday. Be it's going to be, be a fun year. Yeah, oh, yeah. For sure. So, thank you so much. All right. Um, and, uh, yeah, if, if you want to get any of Dujanae's links, go to our website, sportsothp.com. Click our uh, team, sportsothp. It's got all of his links uh, right there uh, as well. And, uh, Hurt, it's so good to see you. It's been too long and it's um you know i i loved your video of you know from the crowd uh you look great i've been following uh your youtube channel which is doing phenomenal um and uh congratulations on all of your success over the last year and doing some pretty cool things um i know you can't say everything of what you've been involved with you know so far um i, I can't wait for you to be able to announce that uh but um let people know a little bit about what you've been up to. Cause it's probably been almost you know, a year since you've been on the show. Uh, and then uh, give us your thoughts on going to the game. So in the last year, 
I've been working on the project, as Robbie alluded to, I can't really publicly talk about it yet, but um, the date is coming when I can actually speak about it. And I'm told that everyone's gonna know what I've been doing the last year, um, July of 2024, everybody's gonna know. But I can't really say much more than that until that happens. Um, other than that, the YouTube channel, Life versus Lymphedema, is really popping off right now. Last check, we were at 700-something followers. I'm trying to get to 1,000, um, hopefully by the end of the year. Definitely before that thing happens next year, I need to be at 1,000 followers because it's going to accelerate after that. And um, that's pretty much it. it. It's just the new endeavor I'm on takes me away from podcasting. It takes me away from, you know, primarily now I'm a father first. And then I'm doing this other thing second. I got this new great job, working nights. I'm actually going to be headed out of here in about 10 minutes to get on the road toward that. And that's pretty much it for me. You look great, though. I'm so happy to see you. It's been it's been great to follow the journey. I hope people actually do go check out that YouTube channel. I'm so mad I'm not on Twitch right now because I have commands all ready for you. It's going to shout you out and do bells and whistles. But, you know, I'm happy that we're here on Facebook. You know, this is where we started. You know, this is, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So if anybody, if anybody's watching, go to Life versus Lymphedema on YouTube. Life versus Lymphedema on YouTube will tell you more about what I can't say here. Right. You can go there and 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 get the the the, the skinny as it right. were. Exactly. No pun intended. <laughs> I like the pun if it was. But anyway, the um let's talk about this game cuz uh, you know, uh, we were talking with Dujanae. He he has kind of alluded to the fact that defense was good throughout. I really thought that they became dominant in the second half. Um I know it rained at times. Oh, there it is. Life versus lymphedema. That's that's great. There you go. So go on that on YouTube. And um, uh, so it was it was cool to see your uh, sort of we have a video we posted on the uh, page of your immediate recap of you know being there and the energy in the building. But speak to some of that energy and speak to the it was raining. There were fights. It was is madness. But uh, talk about being there and uh, how it felt different than some of the previous years. So. In the previous years, we're just kind of out there and it's like, come on, you know. Now, for all of, in full disclosure, for all of my Dan defending, because I want fans to understand why they hate Dan Snyder and hate him for the right reasons and not just because he was a loser. Um, I didn't give him my money. I couldn't give him my money because I didn't enjoy the game, the experience. The last game I went to was when LeVar Arrington went rogue and went crazy against San Francisco. And it was like 05, 06. It was way back. Oh, wow. It's been a while since I've been to a game. But I decided to go to this game. I wanted to be there for the new regime. I wanted to be there and, and, and just feel the atmosphere. And it was insane. First of all, it was a legit sellout. Yeah, there were some empty seats. But it was a legit sellout. I mean, it was packed in there. Everybody was next to everybody. The energy was crazy. You had people high-fiving. I mean, before the game started, we going to do it, baby. Let's go. Like, everybody was so hyped. They were so amped. People are high-fiving. They're hugging at the scoring plays. They're hugging at the touchdowns. 
complete strangers, people you've never seen before, people you're never going to see again, you're connected with on that level. I haven't seen or felt that kind of energy in today's field ever. And I doubt that things had gotten better since the last time I was there. Yeah. Maybe in 2012, it was like that. But um, then getting to get home and watch it on TV, a lot of the things that happened in the stadium didn't make it to TV. Lots of fuck Dan Snyder chants. Lots of them. Nice. Didn't make TV, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, one thing I did notice, third play of the game, Logan Thomas just had to drop. On the very next play, Deami Brown broke long. I don't know what happened. There was a mix-up in the defense. Deami Brown was by himself at the 10-yard line. He could have been doing jumping jacks. There was no player within 25 yards of him. And Sam Howell stared him down. And instead, he checked down, if you want to call it that, to Jahan Dotson. It was still like 13 yards for a first down, but that touchdown was there. And I didn't think about it until I watched it on TV. You could hear the whole crowd grow, whole crowd the murmur because we knew it was about to be a touchdown. We were waiting to explode. Uh, yeah, I didn't um, see that, so it, it was hard to see it. Like I, you know, later they didn't show it on TV. They didn't show. Yeah. They didn't show how open he was on TV. Yeah. So um, the fight that people were watching actually happened two sections over from me. It happened in um, in um, one seventeen. I was in one thirteen, and the only reason I missed it was because when the rain started coming down, I ran out to get a poncho. And by the time I got back, not only was the fight already over with, but the rain had stopped. (laughs) Yeah, I I saw that. It was kind of like this weird timing, like the rain hit at a certain time in the game and it slowed it down. And then like it kind of like lightened up back when we needed, you know, to sort of finish the deal. So it was kind of interesting to watch, you know, the crowd reaction, you know, the games. And so, you know, going forward, we've all been pretty uh, high on this team. Um, And uh, we've got an interesting game coming up next week. And so, Hurt, I want to get your thoughts going. You know, how do we continue this momentum going onto the road? Uh, Because I think we can easily, you know, beat Denver. But it's still, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't proven everything to us yet. If it's the second half team, maybe. The first half team, maybe not. So Energy aside. Energy aside. I was not overly impressed with the performance of the team. Rookie jitters. Sam Howell's still a rookie. Rookie jitters. People are prepared for him now. He can't surprise anybody like he did Dallas. Um, the offensive line is offensive. Yeah, it's so bad. I thought we were fixing this. Um, if Chase Young is a modicum of what he was his rookie year, the defensive line is extra super mega dominant. And they kept us in the game. They kept us alive. Deron Payne was getting held every play. Um, you can't double team Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. You got to let one of them go one-on-one and whoever you don't double team is going to get through. And Montez Sweat's going to get through. It was, it was bad. It was bad. Like defense is our saving grace. Defense didn't give up any touchdowns. They only gave up field goals. The offense literally fumbled the game away. I'm so disappointed in Gibson. Um, you got to fix those mistakes. And if EB is the taskmaster, 
taskmaster that he made us believe he was in preseason, he's going to get those things fixed this week. There's going to be ball control. There's going to be watching the takeovers, uh, turnovers. Um, Sam Howell didn't make a lot of bad throws. I know in the stadium, it looked like he threw an interception. We watched it on TV. The ball was tipped. In the stadium, we didn't know that. In the stadium, we're like, we threw it right to him. And, you know, the word kind of spread from people who were getting notifications from at home. Oh, it was a tip ball. Um, you got to fix those things. But Denver, you might be able to beat because I think Russell Wilson's over the hill. And I don't think Denver has anything to offer us. I don't think their defense is as good as Arizona's. I think Arizona has a good defense. And we were able to get through to them. But you got a long way to go if we want to have a good show against Buffalo. And even though I will be in the house for that Buffalo game, I just found out this morning, I will be in the house with even better seats, even yes. better seats, and a different jersey. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think that's going to be our first loss of the season if we don't lose to Denver. Right. And I wouldn't be shocked if we did. Yeah, I'm looking at our picks real fast, you know, across the board. You know, almost everyone – well, a lot of us picked us a win. Tim, Arun, and Seth all picked us as a loss. I think you had it as a win. I know we didn't get the graphic in uh, on time, but I believe that you did pick a, a win uh, before. I picked the a win for Denver. I picked us yeah. a win against Denver, yes. Right. And everyone has us losing to Buffalo except for Seth, by the way. And, you know. Uh, so, Buffalo. Yeah, <laughs> Buffalo. That one's going to be a rough one. And then the next week at Philadelphia, everyone has a loss except for Seth as well. So, Smith um, is the ultimate. Um, <laughs> he's the ultimate, like just optimist. That's what he is. But it's funny because a lot of us have him at you know ten or eleven wins. So you know, I think we're all fairly optimistic about this team. So it'll be uh, interesting to see you know how it happens. You know whether it goes on. Both CP3 and I have us going on five game win streak to end the season to get uh, to you know I had it at um, eleven wins. He has it at twelve wins. CP3 is always very optimistic. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, you know it, it'll be interesting to see how this season goes. I want to get your quick thoughts heard. I know you got to go. Uh, any other thoughts? about week one in general before we let you go i thought we'd be doing a lot more running i thought we'd be more of a running team and we need to run the ball a little bit more i hate i hate that back in the place where i have to say we have to run the ball a little more because we don't have an offensive line built for the passing that eb wants to do we don't have the offensive line built so why is that though like we knew what he wanted we just couldn't get the players i just don't understand why this is no we're gonna have to draft those players because for the money that we're having to pay, uh, the money that we're having to pay um, our defense, we're going to keep it real. And Montez Sweat's going to demand even more money. For the money that we're having to pay the defense, we're going to pay Montez Sweat this year. We're going to have to pay Jahan Dotson next year. And at some point, we're probably going to have to pay Sam Howell. We're going to have to draft the line that he needs. We're going to have to first and second round picks are going to have to be uh, offensive linemen next year. No way around it. Yeah. We just don't have it. I thought we had some good pickups, but whoever the guy was, we picked up, we cut. I was that, but I was really excited about from the Giants. Didn't we cut him? I, 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 I missed know. it. Yeah. It, but it didn't look very good. <laughs> I mean, I like he took a step back. Yeah. That's not what we need. We need to step forward for him, not step back. But I can tell you as somebody who played every position 
on the line, offense and defense. I can tell you, it's so much harder to go backwards than it is to go forward. It's so much easier to run block than it is to pass block. It's so much easier. But that's not what he wants to do. He wants to pass. Yeah, well, we'll see if that, that works, especially I'm a little worried mile high traveling West Coast. There's a lot of factors here. So, you know, I, I hope that we can find a way to, to run the ball, not get too gassed and, you know, you know conserve ourselves and, you know, become uh, a force in the second half and make these adjustments that were so important in this game. One thing I'm not worried about is uh, conditioning because let me tell you what, the team did not look tired in the fourth quarter like they did under Jay Gruden. By the fourth quarter – Oh, cause we're not used to these tough practices and playing all four quarters. That didn't happen. They were, I don't know if it was a crowd energy or what, but in the fourth quarter, they were still, they looked like they could have played the fifth quarter. They really did. They yeah. really did. So I'm not too worried about them being tired. I hope they get out to Denver early and get that air in and stuff like yeah. that. But Her, you real know. Quick. Kurt, real quick, because I, I was watching it, and they were saying that in past years, it used to be that the home, the road team was the dominant jerseys that were in the crowd. Was that the case this year? Was it more home team jerseys than road team? Man, let me tell you what. I saw one, two, three, four. I saw five Cardinals jerseys. Wow. I saw five of them. And then one Ravens jersey who was in a fight. <laughs> and one Ravens jersey, one Ravens jersey. I say he I saw him before the game. He got his ass kicked. He was right over there. Um, there was a Green Bay jersey. He was in a he was in a fight two weeks ago, too. I don't know why he came back. I'm like, why aren't you watching the Ravens? I don't understand. Like I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, look, there was a Green Bay jersey behind me, and there were two Patriots jerseys. I saw more like I saw more Cowboys jerseys than I saw uh, Cardinals jerseys. Lots of Cowboys jersey. Why do like, Cowboys a, fans come to our game? Ticket holder that comes with his whole family. They all have their Cowboys gear on. I'm just like, if you could find Dallas on the map, I'm sure you'd go there. What are they doing? I never understood that. But but yeah, no, this was not just a sellout. There was nothing but maroon, white and black lots of sean taylor jerseys and i'm speaking of somebody i held the burgundy sean taylor jersey my black one's on the way um i just do on the santana moss one uh just do this yeah i got um, my jason campbell jersey yeah i was yeah, gonna wear my, go. i was gonna wear my santana moss too and then like my internet all messed up but anyway there was there was <laughs> lots of there were lots of jerseys there was just there was no opposing there was no I, opposing nothing. Real quickly, was it Commander's gear, Washington football gear, or Redskins gear mostly, would you say? I say it was a healthy mix. I'm going to say 60-40 Commanders. Okay. 60-40 Commanders because I saw lots of the black gear. And the yeah. black gear is only Commander's gear. Right. There was lots of that. And then there was... You know, everything maroon was commanders. Everything white was Redskins. Yeah. Lots of Redskins paraphernalia. I saw some Redskins chains, Redskins hats. Hail to the Redskins <laughs> during the songs. <laughs> yes. I even watched on TV. Um, 
David Gall for Redskins blast on TV one time. He slipped yeah. up once. <laughs> yes, nice. All right. Well, I know that you've got work tonight, so I don't want to hold you for too long. But thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, you know, maybe we can do this again if you have time. You know, towards the you know you know, let me know whenever you're free. You're always welcome here for people who are listening and watching live on Facebook. Hurt is our first producer of this. You know, one of the originators of the True Radio Network. Um, and uh, this is our eighth football season, which is crazy to think about now. That's and, crazy. Yeah. So it's um, I'm happy that you're able to uh, start our eighth football season right. And uh, yeah, I started in 20. Uh, yeah, I guess it was 16. 20, yeah. Maybe 2015. Because yeah, um, wow, you guys, you guys, I, I went looking for you guys because my daughter was around, and I wanted to take a step back. And I was like, yo, get another sports show. And GLP was like, two sports shows are never working. I know. It's true. It was so fun back in the days. The Collins, the, you know, doing this live on Facebook where we were live. You know, we never doing this through Zoom. And, you know, it's evolved so much. I feel bad because I Twitch had so many bells and whistles. I was going to debut tonight with graphics and things like that. But I need to rewire my house because we got rid of cable. So everything is streaming now. And it was just, it took it down, streaming the game and everything. So Look, it's YouTube a different TV's world. TV's taking the game over, even though yeah. their prices keep going up every month. But, you know, every year they go up. But. Yeah, it's it's the way, but I need to wire my computer so that way it's not on Wi-Fi, and we'll see if we can try it again. But uh, her, thank you so much for doing this. We're live here. We're, I will also record it and put it on our YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, thanks again for everybody for uh, switching over from Twitch. And uh, her, any last plugs you want to give before we let you go? Life versus lymphedema on YouTube. Go there, give me a follow. I'm trying to get help me get to 800, and then help me get to a thousand. And um, new content about my journey to the Commander's Game will be up this week. I did the whole content about wrapping my leg and being prepared to make that long, treacherous walk. And, spoiler, I dropped my phone in the creek trying to take the shortcut through the back of the parking lot. If you guys ever park in the green lot, you know what I'm talking about. I dropped my phone in the creek. Did you get it back? Or is oh, that yeah, part? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, all right. Well, that's good. All right. Well, we'll, okay. we'll have to watch that. And I will definitely link in the description after the podcast over to your channel as well. Uh, so people can uh, hit, just hit the link. I'll, I'll do that after we're done recording and on our YouTube when we load this up as well. But thank you, Hurt, so much. Appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you soon. Later on. All right. Nice see you, brother. All right. Well, that was awesome. And thank you, everyone, for bearing with us. This has ended up being a really awesome podcast. We've got Tim we'll bring in right now. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some general football uh, things. Um, and uh, so Tim, I never gave my thoughts on the game. How you guys doing? You you never did. So we'll we'll get we'll get that, and I want to get Tim's yeah. thoughts on the Ravens game, and we'll talk about that first, and then we'll get into the other NFL things. I also in this hour too, I want to talk about the state of DC sports and some of the other things. Give people a standings update on the Mystics, where they are in the playoff run. Uh, same thing for DC United, and uh, talk a little bit about the Nationals, where they are in the standings as well. And I'll also let Tim talk about the Orioles because uh, uh, they're doing great and. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. So a busy second hour, uh, even if I don't get to raid in, we're not live on Twitch, Tim, my internet is not working, but uh, at least we got enough bandwidth. Oh, yeah, to I get, saw that. 
I get Facebook out there, and so I can then uh, rip this later and uh, at least get the audio podcast going uh, and uh, put this uh, Zoom video up on my YouTube channel later uh, with no fancy graphics, but uh, it'll just be what it is. Um, but, uh, Tim, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, really kind of enjoying the NFL week one. Still a bit stunned by all the injuries around the whole league um that's really sad but uh love this time of year sports is um really getting great you know all the sports kind of starting or ending at the same time so the fall is an awesome time to be a fan yeah Tim, i've missed you i've yeah. missed you <laughs> yeah it's been too long yeah it's, it's been, been so much fun feels, feels like a whole a whole year I know, no, three months, people people don't realize, because we stopped right before Memorial Day. We did talk about CP3 maybe doing some summer podcasts, uh, but his work got super busy, and I'm super excited for that. And, uh, yeah, it ended up being over three months, which is one of our longest breaks that we've had other than, like, the COVID break, you know. Uh, but uh, it's good to be able to talk yeah, some sports summer. with you guys. Uh, yeah, it was a long summer. But I do let's start off with Champ. I do want to get your thoughts on the game, and then after that I want to get uh, Tim's thoughts on the Ravens game, and then we'll break down a couple of the other games uh, from the week, uh, and uh, I'll let you guys give a scoring update on the uh, Monday Night Football game. Um, Tim, I don't know if you've got it on, uh, but... Um, oh, yeah, I'm watching. I'm probably 40 seconds behind you. No, no, I, I, have it, I, have it, I have it off. Oh, so yeah, I, for, probably, I forgot. Yeah. You, have, you have streaming now, too, so maybe we're... So, yeah, we're so on, what, what, what is the score right now? I'll give you a quick scoring update. Uh, 13-6. Buff, uh, Buffalo, but I think the Jets just got an interception. Got so, it. yeah, it looks like they did. Um, so they're going to get the ball back, but Zach Wilson's in. So, tough right. to score a touchdown and tie it. Right, exactly. All right, so, uh, Champ, I, I do want to give your uh, a bill, or thoughts on uh, this game. So, um, I wanted to use this analogy. I literally thought about it, like, a, a couple hours before the podcast. Tonight is the last episode of Raw under the McMahon regime. So it's the end of an era there. Starting tomorrow, WWE will be run not by a McMahon. But the day before that, we saw the start of a new era, the the era of our new ownership. And I got to tell you, as a fan who's been a fan since I was a wee little boy, hearing the uh, the energy of that crowd was absolutely amazing like i'm literally getting goosebumps right now just thinking about how elect i have not heard a crowd that electric in the last 10 years uh and i've been to games within the last 10 years and it didn't have that same electricity that we had on sunday the defense were the mvp of this game they essentially kept the commanders in this game when the offense was struggling um Defense was absolutely spot on. And imagine that defense if they had Chase Young out there. They That defense would have been at least five times more effective, if, in my opinion. But they were still very effective even without Chase Young on the field. Um, I love the fact that our first-round pick, Forbes, made such a key defensive stop to turn the ball over on downs. And I said, that's the reason why they went and got this kid because of his skills at finding the ball and being able to go after the ball uh, in the defensive backfield. He really proves already at the start how how good of a player he can be, even as a rookie. Offensively, it was a bit of a struggle. Sam Howell did show a little bit of nerves and looked like he was kind of 
looked like he was kind of out of his element. Uh, he had this, the, the sack fumble that turned into a, a pick, a fumble in six points. Um, he didn't have the interception off a tip ball. But other than that, he was very quite decisive as he, as the game went on. He started to get more decisive. He started to make some throws. That throw he made to Brian Robinson Jr. for the touchdown was incredible. It was like Mahomes-esque. Like he literally was twisting his body and threw it and threw it through a tight window and got it to Robinson for that touch touchdown. And then going and scrambling and getting reading which way the defenders were going with the receivers and being able to adjust that to get into the end zone untouched for basically what was the game winning score uh, for the commanders. So despite the fact that Howell did struggle early on, he was able to compose himself. It showed that he has the, a, a quarterback's mentality. He had short memory when he came to mistakes and he went back out and he executed. Um, it was mentioned earlier on when we talked with uh, Dujanae and when we talked with, with Hurt that the old line definitely needs to start establishing themselves by running the ball more to set up the play action pass. And once you set up the play action pass, you can really do some damage. Uh, because when you have a running back like uh, Robinson or even Gibson, despite the fumble that he had, which was which funny because the announcers thought it was Robinson that fumbled, even though it was number 24. And they later corrected. It was like, OK, it was Gibson that, that was the one that fumbled. But I think that when you have two dynamic backs like that, having an effective running game would be very, very keen, especially with an offensive line that's still trying to gel. But all in all, uh, this, this, this commander's team, they had a very, they had a pretty decent day. They had 248 total yards of offense, 21 first downs. They were under 40% uh, in third down efficiency, but they held the uh, Cardinals to much less than that on third down efficiency. They were four of 14 where the Cardinals on third down efficiency. So, a lot of times they were getting off the field on third down, which is a good a good barometer to know how, how good your defense is doing. Now, they only managed to get to Josh Dobbs three times as opposed to they the six times that um that they got that Cardinals got to uh how. So that's something they got to clean up there. Uh but I think another thing that was kind of uh indicative of the struggle for the Cardinals was penalties. They had nine of them for 122 yards. So that's going to hurt you a lot. There's not, it's going, it's hard to win football games, especially in the NFL when you're giving up those free yards on penalties. And I think that's what helped this team. But in the end, this team grinded it out. They gutted it out and they were able to walk away with an opening day victory after going undefeated in the preseason. So it's really showing promise, but this next game against Denver is going to be tough having to go to the West coast, being that thin air of, 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 of mile high and having to deal with a team that is, has a, a very fiery coach and Sean Payton who decided he was going to open the season with an onside kick. And the only reason why they didn't get off is because they had a penalty. Otherwise they'd have probably started the season off with an onside kick in the first possession and no telling how that game would have went with uh, that Denver had this weekend. But I really have a lot of positive, uh, positive thoughts when it comes to this commander's team this season and it showed with this first game, but hopefully they're able to keep it going game after game after game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tim, I'll ask your, I know you were watching the Ravens game, but I know you probably saw some of the highlights. Do you have any outside take? Since uh, So far we've had all commanders fans talk about it, but I, I did want to get an outsider's thoughts. Well, I saw, I saw some plays on red zone and I think Ken's right. Um, the defense obviously looks like they're ahead of the offense right now, and uh, Sweat 
was was a hero of the game. So I think that's something to build on. Um, you know, Hal's really young, so it's just going to take him time. Um, the the offense in the NFL outside of a couple teams was it was very sloppy in week one. So I wouldn't get too worried about it. Um, I will say I thought Washington would win this game easier, but just because Arizona and Dobbs, they're not a scary team, but a win is a win. And everyone, you know, in the NFL is, is pretty competitive. Um, it's just, you know, obviously I think the offense has to get better to beat a lot of teams. And you look at what's, you know, like Dallas looks good. Um, not the giants, but it's going to be a tough division, tough schedule, but yeah, I know there's I mean, both the Eagles and Dallas both look good. So, I mean, three out of four teams are good. That's it's still tough. Yeah. Yeah. Very tough schedule. And that was my thinking for this year, but just the, I mean, getting the new ownership, getting a sellout to me was like the most surprising thing just because it's hard to fill that stadium. And um, you have to like the energy, you know, maybe it's, um it's headed in the right direction you don't know when exactly it'll hit but it seems a lot more optimistic than like years past you know living well, here the city's wanted it for a while I mean, you can see how they've rallied yeah. around the arena football team and around the xfl team and like they want you know the commanders to do well they yeah. just you know it's not like football you know, hockey's kind of taken over, you know, because Ovi has done better in, you know, the last yeah. you know, 20 years that, you know, but um, overall, this is a football town, you know, so it should be, you know. Yeah, that's how it should bed. be. Yeah, so it'll be um, interesting to see if it continues forward, you know. Yeah, I mean, good first week, but obviously um, some stuff to fix, like almost every team so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean. I feel bad because the Ravens had a rough start to the game too. I had both games up live. Yeah, it, yeah. It, their, their first half was rough. They, they second half was better. But yeah, I, I think it was actually fairly similar. I don't think on the scoreboard it was a similar game. Uh, but at the same time, I thought both teams struggled in the first half and they got it together in some ways. Yeah, you know, in the yeah. second half for sure. Um, I feel so That's bad. Like, you know that you know one of your key players got so badly hurt in this game. Um, yeah. It, yeah, you uh, feel terrible because he's had three um, long absences and he's in a contract year. So it's yeah. really bad for him financially. And um, you just hate to, like, to see someone rehab for over a year, play one game or half a game, and then another long rehab and surgery. So yeah, he already got the surgery, I think, where it's tomorrow. So it's like really quick. Yeah, that's crazy. So uh, it'll be interesting to see you know, how that impacts your team you know, going forward. Uh, what are some of your other thoughts on uh, week one for the Ravens? Um, I would say the defense was surprisingly good. Obviously, the Texans are not a good team. I think their defense is, is good, but their offense is going to struggle. With the rookie quarterback, um, they obviously moved the ball much better in the second half and scored – two touchdowns um, in the second half, which is great to see, but I'm a little worried about the offensive line um, just because they weren't great. Uh, they gave up some pressure. Um, they ran the ball pretty well, but just they have a couple injuries. They're, they're minor injuries, but if they have two guys out or one guy out against Cincinnati, it could be a struggle. Um, obviously, the Bengals are a good team. I mean, they look terrible 
week one, but you can't, you can never discount them. Um, so that's my main concern now, but you know, defense was, they had like six or seven sacks. Um, Roquan Smith had 16 tackles. So really glad to have him long-term. Um, and then, yeah, Zay Flowers was the offensive highlight. He had nine catches first game ever. That's like some kind of rookie record for, for catches or something. So excited for him. And today's his birthday, which is cool. Um, and Ed Reed's birthday randomly. So that is random. Yeah. Um, so I saw that on Twitter, but, um, I mean, there's still a lot of talent. OBJ had a couple catches. He looked healthy and he was very excited, obviously to finally play because it had been whatever, two years. So that was another highlight. Um, I'm just happy that he looked decent, you know, cause he can build off of that. And you know, some people yeah. thought he was going to be a complete bust and like, why would you pick him up? But I think, uh, it's smart. Um, yeah. yeah. He looked good. Yeah. Healthy. That's awesome. Uh, Ken, did you see any of that Ravens game? Do you have any opinions on it? I I did not see the Ravens game, but I I am gutted for J.K. Dobbins to have come back from an ACL tear, and he actually scored a touchdown in this game and then ends up tearing his Achilles, and now he's out, and this is his contract year on a rookie contract. So it's going to be kind of hard for – uh, from a business standpoint to justify re-signing him when you haven't seen much of him throughout his rookie uh, his rookie time. And so I think that's a big concern. Uh, also, I, I did, like I said, again, again, I didn't see the game, but I got to see some of the stats because I went up against Lamar Jackson in fantasy and it looked like Lamar Jackson, he didn't put up huge numbers, but I want to get it from Tim's perspective. How did Lamar look, uh, in in the oh, season opener uh, from uh, from the pockets things like that. How did he look? He didn't look great. Um, he ran. <laughs> excuse me. He ran the ball well, like per uh, average wise, and he had a couple good first down runs, which was good to see. But in the pocket, he was shaky. Um, he had two fumbles and lost one, and neither were like great defensive plays. It was kind of just like bonehead dropping it or handing it off. One was a bad handoff. So I think, I think it's, it's some week one stuff that'll go away, but um, you know, it's, it's, he didn't look too very comfortable in the pocket. And again, I think that's offensive line. They played badly, but um, he's making a lot of money now. So you want to see him play better. I would probably give him like a C for the game. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, like, he got that big contract. You would think he would come out firing on all cylinders after getting that big contract, which he managed to get on his own with no with no agent. But, yeah, I was kind of disappointed to see the stat line that he had and things like that. So that's something I want to see him improve upon. Like I said, he's not on any of my fantasy teams, but I still want to see him improve upon that. Did you guys know that this first week of the NFL, a record of 14 starting quarterbacks in this league were African-American? Wow. And yeah, that's great. And when you add in two Asian Pacific quarterbacks that started, half of the starting quarterbacks of the league were minorities that started week one. And that you said that was a record? Yeah. That's a record. Yeah. yeah. Also, the Ravens have three African American quarterbacks, which I think is an NFL first. Right. Yeah. And, and the coaches uh, are yeah. African American too. So it's the entire group, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, which is good to see. Um, 
And you see it in college too now. You know, a lot of good quarterbacks coming um, coming up, like I like Alabama. You know, just so it, I, I think things are looking better. But obviously, like coaching wise, I know there's it's still kind of like bad, like proportionally. Yeah. For sure. I'm going to go quickly through some of the scores of the of week one, and uh, we're going to actually use Champ's picks as an example because he, he did so well, and I want to highlight that. Uh, so um, the first game was tough. The only person who got it right was my father-in-law. Uh, so shout-out to Tommy Dykus for the only person who picked the Lions over uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, uh, with a Probably point, lucky guess, too, but right. he'll take it. He, he's pretty smart at pick them and, and okay. picks. Yeah, okay. so, uh, I'll give it to him. I'll take yeah. that back. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll see. I don't know. I haven't asked him. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, the Chiefs lost. I was kind of a surprise to most people. Um, and then uh, the Falcons uh, did beat the Carolina Panthers, which is also very surprising uh, in my mind. Um, uh, well, especially with how they did it. I thought the Carolina Panthers would play better in that game. Champ had Carolina in that one. Uh, Champ also pit the Bengals over the Browns, and so it was surprised that the Browns beat the Bengals so handedly, 24-3. Joe uh, Burrow sucked. Yes, yeah. Interesting, he just got that contract, too. So, yeah. um, And then the Jaguars beat the Colts, so there was kind of an interesting matchup there because uh, the Colts had won you know, so many uh, games against the Jaguars head-to-head, um, and uh, so... Uh, it, it was the first time that I believe that, that the Col- the Jaguars had beaten the Colts in a, in a while uh, in Indianapolis, if I remember correctly. And because uh, I know there was like two, um, but th- what was it? There was two competing streaks that was there, and I, I read about it, but I've now forgotten what it was. Yeah, I think it. I think it was. It's Jacksonville in Indy because the Indy dominated them basically and- until Trevor Lawrence got there. And then right. one big storyline out of that was late in the game when the Colts were trying to make a comeback. Anthony Richards got knocked out of the game with an injury. Yeah. And they had to go with Gardner Minshew. I wondered what happened to that guy. And then he came in to try to bring him back and he couldn't do it. Yeah. So they'd be, yeah, the- he's bounced around some, but 31, 21. And then the Buccaneers Vikings, which I knew was going to be a, a close game, but you know, a lot of us thought the Vikings were going to win, uh, but the Buccaneers squeaked by with a 20 to 17, uh, victory in that one. Uh, the 40, uh, so that was one of the ones that Champ got wrong, but he was right about the 49ers beating the Steelers, which I know makes Tim happy. Uh, 30 to 7. We've already talked about, uh, Washington and Baltimore winning, which he also got correct. Uh, the Saints, uh, over the Titans. That was a close game, 16 15. Uh, they had the Dolphins over the Chargers, 36 to 34. Another close one. Uh, the Eagles over the Patriots, 25-20, that I didn't think was going to get close, but the Patriots did make it a close in the second half. And then the uh, Rams against the Seahawks. The Rams are up 30-13 uh, to 13 in, uh, in that game. Um, and then, uh, but most people thought the Seattle would win that one. And then the Bears, you know, with a lot of people thought they would be better than they were, but the Packers just kind of destroyed them, 38-20. Uh, the Raiders uh, beat the Broncos, uh, which Champ also got right, 17-16, another close one. And then the biggest blowout I've seen on a Monday Night Football game in a long time, um, you know, the Cowboys beat them 40 to nothing in New York. And it was just like, it was, it was tough to watch. I was like, you, I mean, right away, it wasn't like, 
the offense of the Cowboys were really that great. It was more like every other facet was just scoring. Like there, you know, you know, re- you know interceptions, defensive no special backs, teams like, scored. Yeah, a lot of them. And then there were some rushing touchdowns. But it's funny because, like, if you were had Dak Prescott on fantasy, you wouldn't have thought that they played that well, right? But, um, yeah, at the same time, he continues his tear over them. I don't think he's ever lost to the uh, Giants. And uh, uh, so I uh, continue that. And in this game, uh, a lot of people thought the Jets would do well with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but right now the Bills, I believe, are still up 13-6. to uh, in that game, um, and uh, Champ did have that one too. So Champ, if he gets that right, uh, we'll have twelve wins in the first week, which is pretty exciting. I never get, I never do this well at pickup. So I'm like hoping that I can keep keep that going the rest of the season. But I will say this: I watched some of the Patriots Eagles game uh, because I have Paramount Plus, so I was watching on my phone. And Mac Jones looked good a couple of drives. Like when he got, they had back-to-back drives of uh, touchdown drives and Mac Jones looked really good. So I have some, some hope that uh, the Patriots will make the AFC East a very competitive uh, division, but that also is very, very contingent on how serious the injury is to Aaron Rodgers for the Jets. If it's a season ending injury, then the AFC East may not be as competitive because you only have three teams that that look like they could be world beaters whereas the jets may not be world beaters uh miami i didn't really i didn't watch the game but i followed it because i do have two uh tua as uh, my starting quarterback in one of my fantasy leagues and tua went out there and absolutely balled out he balled out but my concern with him is hopefully he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy and put out games like he did here, he's going to be in the conversation for MVP. Honestly, because he goes out there and plays so well. He's a really, really competent quarterback that's mobile. That's one of the most dangerous quarterbacks you could ever deal with as a defense is a mobile quarterback who can throw the football. And so that was a game right there that was a shootout all like all the way to the end. Baker Mayfield surprised the hell out of me. Like everybody thought Baker Mayfield was going to be absolute hot garbage. And he went out and absolutely played well. And, um, you know, this first week of the NFL was really, really exciting. It really gave us a little, a little bit of a barometer of what we can expect for the next several weeks of what we, of what is to come when it comes to uh, the NFL season. A lot of there were a lot of games that no one thought someone this, certain teams were going to win. They did. Jordan Love impressed me as well. I mean, Jordan Love's had plenty of time behind Aaron Rodgers, just like Aaron Rodgers had plenty of time behind Brett Favre. And so here we are, like this is the Jordan Love era, and the Jordan Love era started off very positively, though Justin Fields didn't look that bad in that game either. So that was another game right there that I got to watch a little bit of as well, and that was really good to watch. So a really fun first week of the NFL. I hope we get more fun weeks like this. Yeah, I was I was really impressed, um, you know, by the play all across the league. And I'm just happy that the NFL is back. And uh, it, it was a fun, you know, and college was fun this week too. And uh, now that I have YouTube TV, I was going like I had screens going. And so once I get the networking correctly, and I think I'm going to run a cable into here, uh, it's going to be quite the man cave with like a million TVs going because you can have up to three games on YouTube TV. And then also sometimes you can have like a split screen where you have like four college games going on at once that they uh, put out there on YouTube TV, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so I don't have any uh, Masson, uh, unfortunately, so I don't 
get to watch uh, you know the uh, the baseball. Uh, but at least once it gets into the playoffs, those are all on you know broadcast you know on different you know cable networks that I will get. Um, so we use that as a, a little segue uh, to talk a little bit about you know the summer sports uh, and talk about some of the different sports teams uh, in the DC area. Just to give, I'm not we're not going to break down all the Nats games or even the week uh, for the Nats, but I did want to let people know where they were in the standings. Uh, they started off. Um, you know, kind of, you know, pretty rough, you know, it was a pretty rough start to the season uh, for a lot of it, but they've been playing, you know, played better uh, for a long time. The last 10, they have lost seven out of the last 10, uh, which has kind of put them out of a chance at the wild card. Uh, but I did like there, there was some fight from the Nationals this year, and a lot of their prospects are starting to look uh, decent. And a lot of the people that we had actually traded away for picks, uh, it's interesting to see uh, some of them aren't panning out the way that people expected them to, uh, you know. I love Max Scherzer, you know, and I love Soto and, you know, these players for us. Uh, Trey Turner has been playing better for Philadelphia as of late, but, you know, he had a rough start to uh, his season. And uh, But I'm just happy to see that they are a little bit further along in their development than people had expected. Uh, Tim, I know that you're more of an Orioles fan, but you follow the Nationals too. Do you have any uh, thoughts on uh, the Nationals rebuild? Yeah, I, I agree. I think they are ahead of schedule. They have a lot of exciting players. Uh, Ruiz and um, Gore and a lot of pitchers coming up. Um, and I think they showed really all their progress, especially in August, where they played really well. And Martinez got an extension also. And they had that little brief flirtation with um, the wild card race. You know, they, they won a series in New York, which was great. Um, unfortunately, like you said, it hasn't been a great uh, September so far. And, and they're likely to get last place again. But I think it's it's going to be a short rebuild, not a long rebuild. And um, I would say, like, watch out for the team in two to three years. I wouldn't pick them playoffs next year, but, like, maybe they could have a winning record next year and get third or third place or something, you know, some improvements. So um, there's some excitement definitely in – at Nats Park, um, and it's still fun to go to games. I mean, I, I think uh, as long as they maybe add a few free agents too to keep the team competitive, um, they'll be a, they'll be a fun team to watch for for a few years to come. Yeah, for sure. Right, let's get into the the other side. Um, well, I just want to quickly go through the standings on the National League, and then uh, so Philly is leading the division. Uh, the Cubs and Arizona are the other two divisions. It's, uh, Atlanta. Oh, oh, sorry, Atlanta. Yeah, Philly's wild card, though. I think. Yeah, yeah, Philly. That's right. Sorry, Atlanta uh, is the division leader. The Dodgers and Milwaukee are the other division leaders, and then the wild card is Philly the Cubs, Arizona, and Miami is one game out. San Francisco is a game and a half, and Cincinnati is also a game and a half out of the, you know, the wild card. So three wild card teams make it in this new format. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. Atlanta has clinched the playoffs. They're the only team in the NL to do that so far. Uh, and then on the AL side, uh, the leaders uh, of the whole American League is uh, Baltimore. Uh, Houston and Minnesota are the other two division leaders. Um, and then on the wild card, Tampa Bay, 
Uh, and then Toronto is eight games back from that first wild card spot. Seattle is a half game back of Toronto. Uh, and they're pretty much tied with Texas. Uh, they just have the tiebreaker. Seattle has the tiebreaker. Uh, Boston is six games back of the wild card uh, on that side. So, um, you know, Tim, you know, I thought Baltimore played well the previous year, but I didn't necessarily expect them to be this dominant so far this year. I know uh, we still have a lot of season left. You know, who knows what happens in the playoffs. But uh, speak to how they've been playing uh, in the regular season this year. Yeah, I think even the most optimistic player or person working for the Orioles wouldn't have expected this. Um, honestly, one of their top five seasons in the past 40 years since they won the World Series um, in 40 years ago. So that's great. The thing about this team is um, they're still very young. They have a great farm system. So you have a lot of guys that are competing even uh, to get in the majors and stay in the majors. And I think that helps them because everybody you – know, no one's – guaranteed a job no one's complacent or highly paid they have the second lowest payroll in the whole uh league but obviously second best record in the league so i think it's just come together really this year with their starting pitching they always had some hitting um and they had a great bullpen last year um and that's carried through to this year it's just this year finally some of their young starting pitchers have been more consistent and they don't actually hit a lot of home runs. They don't have a lot of guys that hit 30 home runs. They're not the Red Sox or Yankees with the power hitters or the Braves where like everybody in their lineup hits 30 home runs, but they have a lot of speed. They have a lot of guys that hit doubles and hit for average. So they're just a good, um, you know, some of, some of their parts is stronger than the individual type team. Good manager. Um, I think they're going to, their manager Hyde will win uh, manager of the year and Gunnar Henderson is going to win rookie of the year. So that's exciting. Um, I would just say you don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs because they haven't um, been there as a team for seven years. So it's, a, it's been a while. No, no current player has played in the playoffs in Baltimore. Uh, so they're going to be inexperienced. Sometimes that doesn't matter, but um, you know, in the playoffs, baseball, it's all about your top three starting pitchers because that's who, you know, goes out, pitches every playoff game and decides it. And it's hard. It's going to be hard to beat a team like Houston with like Verlander and um, they're great starters. So that could be tough for them because I think with all their young pitchers, they're all going to be tired. They already are because they're not used to pitching this many innings. So we'll see in the playoffs, but just happy to see, um, you know, more fans in Camden Yards and uh, some playoff games, and we'll see how it goes. But um, they'll be good for a while, which is nice. It's probably going to be a like a long, you know, good run because they're, all the all the players are young. So that's that's the good news. Yeah, I just realized what shirt you're wearing. Uh... Uh, Tim and I went to the same yeah, uh, uh, high school, and uh, I've now this is my fourteenth 
uh, school year working there, and my son just started kindergarten there last week, so uh, this is starting week oh, yeah, two for him. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. So he's had a, a great time there. So the next generation is there too. So that makes me happy. Um, so switching gears a little bit, I do want to talk about the WNBA for a second. The, the uh, playoffs are upon us. They start on Wednesday, actually. Um, and uh, I wanted to go through the final standings of the regular season. Uh, the Las Vegas Ace, so they do a combined standings uh, when they do the playoffs, East and West come together. Uh, and um, uh, then they, they still uh, do a one through eight and uh, playoff. Uh, so there's not like an East and West bracket separately. Uh, but uh, the Aces are the number one team with 33 wins, the Liberty at 32, um, the Connecticut Sun 27, the Wings 22 wins, the Atlanta Dream 19 wins, tied with Minnesota, but they had the tiebreaker. Uh, then Washington also had 19 wins, so there were three teams that were tied there. Uh, the Chicago Sky with 18 wins, and then just missing the playoffs are the Sparks with 17, the Fever with 13, the Storm with 11, and the Mercury with only nine wins and so that means the first round playoff matchup uh, is the the aces uh, the number one seed against the number eight Chicago Sky the number two Liberty against uh, the mystics the number seven seed uh, the Connecticut Sun the number three seed uh, versus the number six uh, Lynx the Minnesota Lynx and the number four uh, wings against the Atlanta dream and so uh, I just wanted to give people a little bit of an update on that and uh, we will uh, give a uh, we'll let people know next week on the podcast uh, how they do in their playoff games. And uh, I'm trying to see if I can pull up the dates of the Mystics. Um, the first uh, game of the playoffs with the Mystics and the Liberties Friday. Got it. Thank you. Oh wow. Okay. Is that uh, uh, that's on the road probably right? Because aren't they yes. the lower seed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'll be on the road. But here's the thing. The Mystics do have the advantage because on the season finale, the Mystics were able to beat the Liberty on a last-second alley-oop shot to beat them. So they have the momentum going into this game. So I would put I would look for the Mystics to be able to draw blood on them this coming Friday, having already beaten them uh, already in New York. Interesting. And um, how many games – I'm trying to remember – Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the WNBA skit. This is it's not one game, well, by, right? By the way, the Jets are tying it with 4:55 left in the game, 13-13. Oh. Thank you for the update they on that. Score a touchdown, one. yeah, great touchdown catch. Oh crap, by, that's uh, that, That's not good. I'm about, I'm I'm so close to winning my fantasy football matchup. Oh god. If your so, opponent has either Wilson on the Jets, that's not good. No, it, I have Buffalo's defense. Interesting. So is it? It's, it looks like it's a best of three series, but the first two games are on the road for the Mystics. I think is how it works. Oh, uh, so that that's weird. So game three would be in DC if they can split. Yeah. So that'll be that's an interesting. Cuts out. Cuts out. Cuts on the out. Flights. Tri- yeah, flights exactly. So game one is on Friday. Game two is on Tuesday. So I guess we'll just recap the first game, uh, and then the uh, potentially one or two other games we'll recap on the following week. So I just wanted to let people know since we cover all the DC sports teams uh, without the politics, I wanted to make sure that even if um, Carol couldn't be here, that we would cover them uh, as well. And then uh, we also have a little bit of soccer. So I'm going to pull up the uh, standings, uh, which they call in soccer the table uh in the uh conference east 
Uh, so it's a little bit different playoff format now. There's so many soccer teams now, Tim. It's so different than when we were younger, right? Uh, so there's 14 yeah, in the West. Yeah, they're getting close to 30, right? Yeah, 14 in the West and 15 in the East. So we're up to 29. Yeah. And uh, so with that being said, nine teams make the playoffs, and there's a battle between the eight and nine-seeded teams um, to uh, see who makes that final spot. Uh, and uh, so right now, D.C. United's actually in that nine spot, um, and Montreal is in the eighth spot, and the Fire are in the tenth spot, and they're all just about two a point. Or sorry, how many points it was? Um, the Montreal's one point ahead of D.C. United, and D.C. United's two points ahead of Chicago Fire. So they're currently holding that last playoff spot. So it's very close. Uh, and if people don't know, you got one point for a draw, uh, which is a tie in soccer, and uh, three points for a win. Uh, and so it's still um, still a bunch of games left. I, I will say uh, in August, uh, they had a rough August. They lost to the, the Red Bulls and the Union. Uh, but in September, they were able to beat that Chicago Fire team, one of the teams that they're you know fighting for playoff positioning with. And they did get a draw in their last game on Saturday against the Earthquakes, which on the Western Conference side, they're one of the teams fighting for their last playoff spot. So both teams you know needed that win or at least a draw uh, to try to stay even in the standings. Uh, they got a lot more games coming up in September. The next game is at Charlotte, and that'll be on Saturday at 7.30. And then just a couple days later, uh, there's a game uh, against Atlanta on Wednesday the 20th. That's a 7.30 game, so that'll be a home game. And then uh, just three days later, they played the Red Bulls. So they'll have to play three games in just over a week uh, there. Um, and uh, so that'll be a rough thing. So we'll recap the first game of that next week. Uh, and then we'll uh, preview the next two coming up after that uh, as they're trying to fight for some playoff positioning. So I just wanted to keep people apprised that some of the other D.C. sports teams, uh, you know, we're not just a, a commander show. Uh, and uh, uh, But I do appreciate the Ravens coverage and the commanders coverage and talking about all the different teams. I'm going to let each one of you guys give one final thought about week one. It could be about the commanders or about any other team. And, and then I am going to let Tim go, and then I'm going to talk a little bit of wrestling with Champ. I do want to also, before we head out of here with the three of us, uh, talk about 9-11 for just a second uh, and pay remembrance to that because uh, Tim and I actually were together on 9-11. Uh, but uh, And uh, I do want to mention that before we get out of here uh, tonight because it's such an important part of uh, history, and uh, uh, I do want to talk about that. So real quickly, we'll start with the football. Uh, I'll start off with you, Tim. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Any other game that you didn't mention before or if any final thoughts on the Ravens uh, you want to let our listeners know about? Uh, I think just because this Jets game is on and it's really good, uh, I, you know, it's crazy to me how cursed their franchise seems. To see Aaron Rodgers pick your team, there's so much hype. They should be really good. And he gets hurt on the fourth offensive play of the game. All the life in the building goes out, and they fall down by 10 points. They have, you know, a pretty shaky backup, Zach Wilson, but he comes back, and now they're tied. Um, that's, you know, a big story of week one. But I just feel bad for them in general. Um and it would have been nice to see Aaron Rodgers um, play more games, obviously, in New York. I'm not saying he's, like, out for the year because they don't know, but they're saying it's serious, so that's sad. Um, 
But yeah, the Jets are cursed. That's just a fact. Yeah. They just cursed. got a they just got a fumble recovery though. As I said that, so <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> Maybe that's I rever- reverse jinxed it. <laughs> there you go. We'll we'll keep on watching that and give us updates as well, as we go through this. But champ, uh, any final thoughts on week one that you want to either about the Commanders or about any other game that you want to talk about? Yeah, I want to see the Commanders' offense start to really gel and really start to show some dynamic uh, gameplay. Uh, you got Eric Bieniemy in here, who ha- has been a proven. Uh, successful OC which with coming in with two Super Bowl rings with the Kansas City Chiefs and he has the weapons and the tools to be able to have this offense be just as successful I just want to see that happening uh with this team but I also want as I said earlier I want to see a lot more fun fun games around the league for the remainder of the season because a lot of these games had a lot of intrigue had a lot of storylines and had a lot of uh, really good games that came out of it. So that's what I want to see is I just want to see the NFL to continue to be a lot more interesting. This is the 104th season of the NFL. So I want to see this to be very interesting. And I want it to be a point where we get down to the final couple of weeks and you're trying to figure out who's going to be in, not, oh, this team is definitely in or this team's definitely in. It's like it's a dog fight. That's what I want to see. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, I was excited about week one. I'm just excited that the podcast is back, you know, that we can uh, get to do this every week. And I know that Carol um, is, you know, sad that he's missing the show. Um, and uh, but I do hope that people go check out his YouTube and Facebook and check out his, you know, pre and post game uh, yesterday as well. And uh, and hopefully we'll have him back on, you know, and maybe he won't be hosting as many shows, but, you know, come on at least as a guest. And I loved having Hurt on as well, uh, talking, you know, and Dujanae. And uh, it's just fun to break down these games. Games and you know it's not going to be too long until the hockey team is back and our you know NBA roundtable returns. Uh, I do want to ask uh, your quick thoughts, uh, Ken, on Team USA international basketball. Kind of pathetic, you know. Uh, you know, I, I'll get Tim's thoughts too if he wants to, but just uh, what, I don't know if you watched any of it or what your thoughts are on uh, on that poor showing. Um. I, I saw the alerts on my uh, the score app, and it's very disappointing that back when I was a, a young lad, USA basketball was one of the most dominant when it came to international play. But now as a, as a 41-year-old man, they, they didn't even place, they didn't even get a medal uh, this go around. That's, that's, very, that's a very, very dire sign of the times when it comes to our international basketball team. And with the Olympics uh, approaching pretty soon, uh, I I don't have a lot of high hopes for them in the Olymp in the Summer Olympics if they're playing like this, honestly, or the Winter Olympics. Well, the problem is, is they seem to just like all the All Stars only want to play the Olympics. Yeah. So then you're like you're, you got your B tier yeah. team that's fielded every time, and it's frustrating because like. I still think our B tier team should beat them, but the international game is is a different game, and it's obviously uh, um, it's you can't just dominate it just by putting Team USA on your you know on your shoulder patch or whatever. But uh, Tim, do you have any thoughts on uh, international basketball? Yeah, exactly. Well, first thought is my rooting interest for international sports is you only get one. I'm only going to care about one. I only care about the World Cup in soccer. I don't care about this like Concacaf bullshit and in basketball i'm all about the olympics so um 
I didn't care a whole lot about this tournament. I didn't watch a lot of it. I'm not saying it's a waste of time or anything, but you're right. The biggest, this is like the C team, to be honest. There's a lot of good players, but um, dozens of guys stayed home that could have made this team better. And they want to rest because the NBA season's too long. Like Jokic didn't even play. And Serbia um, was kind of disappointing, obviously, because he stayed home. So it's not only an American problem, but in general, you know, let's I've heard Steph Curry might even play in the next Olympics and LeBron's going to come back and stuff. So I think we'll win that. And that's what people care about more. But you're right. um, The rest of the world's catching up like our C team isn't good enough to win. Uh, Probably just we need our top players if we want to win at this point it's it's a lot of parody which is more fun to me by the way robbie uh josh allen on the first play after the touchdown fumble and the jets have the ball what yeah he had they have four turnover he looks terrible terrible to be honest tonight um and the jets are driving so what's the score now it's still 13 13 um and the Jets have how first much, down. How much Two time's minutes. left in it? Two forty. Yeah, I may, I may, I may risk it and put it on. <clears throat> but um, just because we're so far, if it does go out, then so be it. Um, but um, yeah, let me see if I can get this to to work. It's but, about to be a two minute warning, so that's probably a good time, you know, because yeah. you'll have like a commercial break. You can wait three that's more true. minutes. That's not true. Not really miss much. Um. <clears throat> So it sounds good. Well, uh, I just want to just talk about 9-11 for just a second before we let Tim go. Uh, but um, so if people don't know, Tim and I were actually at school um, in um, uh, going into 11th grade. And it was uh, the start of a brand new building, in fact, uh, and uh, that they were opening that day. And, you know, so we heard that the first tower crashed and then um, – you know, we, some of us, you know, had radios and, and, and figured it out. And so they were like, they told the seniors and juniors, get out of here. Don't tell the little kids what's going on. We don't want to scare them. Uh, and so a lot of us left. Um, and Tim, did you go home right away after that? Or- no, um, I went with a couple of friends to uh, another kid's house in Potomac nearby. Yeah. And uh, it was crazy because, you know, we didn't have cell phones yet. So we had to use the house phone there to call parents, but most of, we couldn't reach most of the parents because they were all like stuck in traffic um, from DC to come home. Yeah. I remember and, that. Yeah. It was, it was harder than to like figure stuff out. So. Yeah. My dad was actually an ambassador at the time and he was uh, stationed in, uh, in Asia. He's one of the highest ranking U S officials in Asia at the time of you know, 9-11 and uh so uh, he, he's an international telecom guy. And so uh, did that. So, you know, I was always worried, you know, because he's not even here. And, you know, basically a very similar flight to the one that he took was one of the ones that crashed, you know, into one of the buildings. And so I was thankful that he traveled out a week earlier, you know. And uh, uh, but it, it's kind of scary. You know, a lot of his friends died in that Pentagon one, both on the airplane and on the ground. And uh, uh, it was uh, a rough week. And, you know, I just, you know, I want to pay respects, you know, to all the people that, you know, lost their lives on that day. It's something that will always, you know, be with us, you know, and uh, it was weird. We had a moment of silence today and I realized during that moment of silence, none of the kids in that school were even alive when it happened. 
which kind of like blows yeah, my yeah. mind. Like, it's crazy like, to me now. Yeah, that kids will ask like, when was what year was nine eleven? And it's like, oh yeah, it's not obvious to a lot of even like adults really at this 20, point. Twenty two years they ago, weren't now. alive or they were very young. You know. Yeah, it's I, crazy. I told the I told the story on my podcast, the No Spots podcast, which is up right now on Spotify and Amazon Music. Uh, in my in our final thoughts of where I was for 9-11, I was a sophomore in college. And the night before, I had a disagreement with my roommate. And so I was sleeping in on the floor of the dorm room of a friend of mine who slept in one in the honors dorm. So I slept there and I was awakened by a high-pitched what from a man who had the deep had voice deeper than Barry White. But he managed to get very high octave when he heard that a plane hit the towers, stepped on me to turn on his TV. We looked at the TV and we saw in horror as the second plane hit the building and watched as both towers went down. And then they broke in as the fire was burning on the towers and they said the Pentagon got hit. And then I got panicked because, again, I, you know, I have family in D.C. I'm in I'm down in Petersburg, Virginia, Virginia State University. I'm two hours away. And I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have any way to call them. I had to, we had calling cards with minutes on them and a landline. And we couldn't get through because communications were down because of what was going on in New York. Plus everybody's trying to call people, this, that, and the third. I finally was able to get in touch with my my dad later on that afternoon. And he told me, everybody's fine. Your bro- My brother was in uh, high school at the time. He was home. Uh, but Baloo Senior High School overlooks uh, has a has a, a the sight line where they could see the smoke coming up from the Pentagon from where they're located because there is the nickname of Blue High School is that big bad school on top of the hill in Southeast DC. It's literally you can you you can see the smoke from what some of the windows at Blue Senior High School when they had the old building. So I was able to get in touch with my my family. They were fine. Everybody was fine. But and as I said in the story when we walked around the campus, that campus is one of the most liveliest campuses that you will, you will ever see. But on that day, it was somber and quiet. And there were so many people talking about people who had family members that were in the towers that pot that, that perished. Cause we had a, we had a very large contingent of students that were from New York. Mm. And so there were a lot of people that had families that were most likely in those towers. And it was one of the most somber and quiet that I've seen that campus that during the day, because at night it's pretty quiet. It, it's still, it's somewhat quiet, but it was middle, like late mid afternoon, early, early evening. And it was dead quiet and somber. And that's how you know how impactful this was that a campus this lively can go from lively to silence. Yeah, we, we had no idea what was going. You know, they basically told us, you know, get out of here. Don't tell the kids. And we didn't even, they didn't even know what to tell the kids for a while. You know, it was just sort of this uh, this crazy time in American history. And what was weird is the next year they have the sniper in D.C., you know. So, like, talk about. Oh, like, I remember they, that shit. Oh, yeah, my God. Woo. That was like a crazy last yeah, two years. Yeah, ruined half of uh, the sports season. <laughs> yeah. Was... I remember, yeah, it, it affected everybody a lot like just because of the school situation. I remember that because I had dropped out of VSU and I was home and I was working. And I remember the the sniper 
shootings. And I remember they say if you're at gas stations to like take cover and that's all our my gas stuff. station. That's the gas station I go to every time now to fill up. Yeah. That's how crazy it is. Like thinking about it 20 years later, you know, I'm like, wow, that's that's nuts. But anyway, we've we've gone through a lot living in this D.C. area. Many, many tragedies. That, yeah. An, anthrax after that. Yeah. Anthrax sure. in the mail. Yeah. We, it's, it's an interesting place to live. You know, we try to keep politics out of it, but I knew on 9-11, I just wanted us to you know, pay respect for a moment um, and, uh, and at least talk about that because I don't think it should ever be overlooked on any, any year, you know, no matter how many years go by. Uh, but Tim, um, you know, with that somber note, but I will uh, let you go. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit of uh, wrestling with champ for a minute before we end the podcast. But uh, Tim, thank you as always for being a part of this. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back on if not to do an NFL thing, yeah, NBA's around the corner, uh, but I'm sure we'll have you on even yeah. before that. So it's good to Definitely. see you back. Yeah. Great to talk to you guys again. Have a good rest of the show. Thank you so Take much. Care, Appreciate it. See you guys. Awesome. Bye. By All the right. way, scoring update, Jets yes. kicked the field goal. They're now leading 16, 13. Nice. All right. Let me see if I can uh, get this on uh, my TV here while we um, uh, while we talk. And, about I I do want to talk. Yeah. Sorry. What was that? No, I was gonna say, and I'm about to lose a fantasy because of that field goal. I'm now about to lose by about less less than three points. I, I'm 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 a little salty. I was trying to go three and zero across my leagues, and I'm about to go two and one. So I'll just ask the general question. Is there anything that can happen in the last minute 48 that you can get the three points back? Is there any player that you need to do well? No, it's I have Buffalo's defense. They need a turnover uh, for me to even have a chance. But if the Jets get the ball back and they're leading, they're going to run the clock out, and there's no way they're going to get a turnover. So I'm pretty much done. Yeah, oof. All right, so, um, yeah, I, I put it on now so I can watch it too. If anyone let me know if the – if the feed gets choppy, I think because I do the zoom through their system, it's not actually outputting a video. We're just having a zoom conversation and they're sending it to Facebook for us. So that's why I think that that's why I was trying to figure out why we can zoom and I can be live on Facebook, but not on Twitch. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, I'm going to definitely work on some new wiring, uh, in the off, uh, off week uh, here and then uh, hopefully get it set up for next week. Uh, but you know, if we have to go back to Facebook live, it is what it is. Right? So I'm, I'm happy that we have this option, but I do want to talk a little bit of wrestling. Uh, there is a, a little bit of some sad news in, in the wrestling world. Um, and uh, it's been an interesting summer, uh, you know, with a lot of interesting pay-per-views and a lot of different wrestling um, you know, the different groups and, you know, the CM Punk situation. There's just a lot of news. So I was thinking, uh, Champ, with the last, you know, five or ten minutes, uh, let people know some of the big wrestling stories of the summer and then also give a shout-out for your podcast uh, for more. And then uh, we'll I'll, I'll give a scoring update here uh, at the end uh, with this game. Well, one of the big stories was CM Punk getting terminated from AEW. There was a, a backstage altercation that happened at All In, uh, their first trip to London, England. Uh, what happened was Jack Perry was defending the FTW Championship against Hook. Uh, for those who may not know, Hook is actually the son of the legendary Taz, who was a legend in ECW. Uh, they were going at it in a what was called an FTW rules match was basically an anything goes, uh, anything goes match. Uh, Jack Perry brought out a UK style limousine and then said into the camera. And I quote, this is real gr glass. Cry me a river. 
which was a shot at CM Punk, who weeks earlier had vetoed him using real glass in a segment on Collision. And so CM Punk, who has one of the most fragile egos in wrestling, took offense to that. And after the match was over, when Jack Perry came back, because CM Punk was the first match on the main card, this match took place on the pre-show, he approached Jack Perry. There was a physical altercation in which not only was uh, Jack Perry involved, but also AEW president, CEO, and book head booker Tony Khan was involved. Apparently, Tony Khan, uh, CM Punk lunged at him, and all of that happened. Samoa Joe, who was going to be CM Punk's opponent, had to break everything up, and that match almost didn't start the pay-per-view. It was actually going to be moved, but they ended up going with it anyway. But after an internal investigation and a meeting with uh, legal counsel, they finally came to the decision that they had to let him go after that, especially because the fact that Tony Khan was involved in a physical capacity, they had no choice but to to sever all ties because this is not the first time that CM Punk has had a physical altercation backstage with executives uh, with AEW. This happened last year at All Out in Chicago, where he went scorched earth at the uh, at, at the press conference and then had a physical altercation with the EVPs, uh, the elite. So they had to let him go, and that happened. So there, there's that. The other big story was two very, very influential and very shocking deaths. Uh, Hall of Famer Terry Funk, who had been sick for a long time, passed away. But then 24 hours later, Wyndham Rotunda, who was known as Bray Wyatt at just 36 years of age, uh, passed away from a heart attack, uh, and which came out of nowhere. It was announced on Twitter by uh, Triple H that he had passed away, and the wrestling world just went all the way down because there was so there was all this talk about him returning, having plans in place for his return and things like that. He was supposed to be healthy because earlier on this year he had to be sat out of WrestleMania because he had a, a, a mysterious health issue, which was later revealed to be COVID, which exacerbated a heart issue that he had. And then apparently as he, he recovered, but apparently that heart issue and the COVID caused the heart attack. He passed away in his sleep. He went and took a nap and he never woke up. Um, so that was uh, one of the big, those are some of the big stories. The other big story, as I mentioned earlier, tomorrow by close of business, uh, the merger between WWE and Endeavor, who is the, uh, the owners of UFC will close and they will officially become TKO holdings, which means that for the first time in decades, the WWE will not be run by a McMahon which is unheard of in the wrestling world because especially with WWE, WWE is synonymous with the last name McMahon, especially Vince McMahon or even his father previous to him, Vincent, uh, Vince McMahon uh, Sr. But for the first time ever, WWE will be run not by a McMahon. Even though Vince McMahon is an executive chairman, he is not officially running WWE. So it is definitely the end of an era in when it comes to one of the biggest wrestling promotions in the entire world. So that right there is a, is a, is, is a story in and of itself. But wrestling has been through a lot this summer between, you know, with the punk situation, which is recent, with the recent deaths, this uh, new uh, merger that's going to be closing uh, in tw- less than 24 hours, as well as like wrestling promotions going you know doing their normal thing impacts getting ready to celebrate its 1000th episode uh of its weekly program on uh thursday they recorded on saturday 
but it's going to air this coming Thursday. And no one thought that impact with the struggles they had towards the midway part of their tenure with Dixie Carter at the helm, that they were going to even make it this far, but they're about to have their 1000th weekly television episode this coming Thursday. Uh, New Japan is slowly recovering from uh, what happened with the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. And uh, they just recently had their G1 Climax tournament completed with Tetsuya Naito, who's one of the uh, legends of that promotion, winning it. And they're really starting to ramp back up there. They're also uh, really doing a lot here in the United States. They've established a, a new championship for women uh, for both on the U.S. side as well as the Japanese side, which is a big thing because of the fact that uh, New Japan normally didn't work with stardom, which is under the same umbrella of Bushi Road. But this year, they they started to start working with stardom. They had stardom uh, wrestlers on their main Wrestle Kingdom card earlier this year. And so now... Uh, they're starting to do things as well. MLW is is currently in a legal lawsuit with WWE over monopolization of uh, TV rights. So there's that going on. So it's a lot that's going on in wrestling. But if you want to know what's really going on in wrestling, you can check out the No Spots Weekly Wrestling Podcast. We are now streaming on Sunday nights uh, instead of Saturdays. Uh, we're streaming Sunday nights beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash true no spots pod with the audio going up at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Amazon Muse, on Amazon Music and Spotify uh, every week going forward. We decided to move to Sunday because of the fact that AEW added a third television show to their weekly program which is called collision which is another two-hour program and so in order to adjust to that we decided to move to sunday so we can cover that as well as other tv uh, weekly tv shows on our weekend review so it's a lot that's going on in wrestling but i will say right. this I, I gotta hold on right here Go a field goal is up and it goes off uh, of the goalpost and through and Buffalo ties it 16 all with two seconds left uh, in the, um, yeah, that's crazy. It, it dunked in. <laughs> it's just rare that you'll ever see it go off. So I'm going to see a replay here. And it's a pretty far, I mean, they're almost at the jet symbol. And it goes off and hits the left bar just, just barely in and through sideways. Um, and, so you're saying uh, there's a chance. Yeah, wow. Because they're going to overtime, which means Buffalo can get a turnover and I can still win this game. Okay, good. Beautiful. <laughs> yes, yes, there you go. So Beautiful. Beautiful. maybe a pick maybe a pick six for you. That would be helpful, right? So oh, that would that would be absolutely perfect. That was a 50-yard field goal, by the way. Yeah. So um yeah, it looked like it was pretty far. Yeah, I think they were on the 37-yard line. So that makes sense. So um yeah, anyway, I just wanted to jump in with that because that was kind of a big moment. Um but, uh, yeah, it's been some interesting stuff. I, I like the – it's interesting the storylines in the WWE as well, that they had two brothers, you know, go at it and now be on opposite promotions, you know, because, you know, one basically prevented the other from getting the universal champion over Roman Reigns. Uh, mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting uh, storyline. Uh, what are your thoughts on having the brothers on different promotions? I – and this is something I've said on the podcast. I actually said it on this week's episode is that 
this bloodline storyline is one of the longest running storylines in WWE in the last several years. It's gone on for the last three years since the time in the pandemic when they were in the thunder, they were in the performance center in front of nobody and in the Thunderdome in front of people on screens. This bloodline storyline has been one of the most compelling storylines to be on WWE TV. And they keep revealing layers after layer after layer every single chance they get they have jimmy uso say okay i'm i got my brother he's out of we're out of the bloodline whatever but then he turns around and says no i'm gonna cost him the title because i don't want my brother to become corrupted like roman reigns but then this past week he's making overtures like he wants to be back in the bloodline while jay is now on raw having to you know, try to make amends for the actions that he did while he was in the bloodline with people on the raw roster. So it's another layer that's been peeled off. And I'm, and I said this, I said, I want to see where this goes. I want to see where they take this, what direction they take this and things like that. So I'm very excited to see where they go. Roman, of course, has put himself into a position where he doesn't have to show up every week. He could show up here, there, wherever, and people are going to react however way they will um but i just i'm just i just want a new champion i just i'm kind of done with him being the champion i I don't mind the storyline but i just like i need something new like i just need like you know what i mean like i just i don't know i'm kind of done with i i honestly think that cody rose will finish the story next year i think he'll get traded to smackdown He'll find a way to get into the title match at WrestleMania next year in Philadelphia, and he'll finish the story and win the titles then. I think that they didn't pull the trigger this year because I guess they wanted Roman to surpass 1,000 days as champion and put him in the record books uh, uh, like with the likes of like a Hulk Hogan or Bruno San Martino. But I think that come Philadelphia next year, Cody finishes the story and wins the title. I was watching a Hulk Hogan, um, you know, match last night. I was like, man, I, I miss Hogan. Like, I was, you know, he was so great. He was one of my favorites back in the day. And just, you know, I was yeah, watching. Yeah, in front of the camera, he was great. Behind the camera, he was a dick. Yeah, I, I agree. But it was, as part of the storyline, though, you know, I guess he was against the Viper. And it was, you know, where, he, you know, Viper thought he had him down. And then, you know, um, he had his foot on the, on the, the line and then they came back and you know hulked up and you know it was yeah i i love that shit so um but uh anyway i i love talking wrestling i don't get to do it uh, enough but uh, definitely go check out the no spots podcast and on sports.thp.com we have the podcast partners button you can catch all their latest podcasts there but also definitely go check out their twitch really wish i was on twitch i give you all your shout outs but uh i'm happy that we could at least have this conversation uh and it's uh been a um a, a nice talk i think um i don't know you might be frozen your camera is frozen i can still hear you fine yeah I think, yeah no uh my zoom is is frozen so i'm not trying yeah, to it's, mess it's with fine. it it's all but good i will we'll, say this i will say this this week's podcast is going to be very interesting because myself and sith are doing a retro review of the big five pay-per-views from the year 2000 which is the royal rum oh i you were the Oh, I, I think you're breaking up. I can't tell if it's me or if it's you. It's probably me. 
Okay. Well, probably- you're, you're back. You're back. Okay. okay. Yeah. So what I'll say is that we're going to be retro reviewing the year 2000 big five pay-per-views for WWE, which was a very unique year, including one of the worst WrestleManias uh, in the history of WrestleMania. So I'm somewhat excited, but also dreading to rewatch those pay-per-views uh, just because of what's, you know, what, what they were. So I'll be interested to see what happens, but yeah. that'll be this week's episode. For sure. Well, overtime is about to start, so I'll let our anyone who's still listening uh, go check that out. But yeah, go check out the No Spots podcast. Uh, I'm going to try to fix our tech for next week, but it was still a great episode. I'm so happy. Thank you, Champ, for joining me. Thanks, Tim and Hurt uh, and Dujane. Uh It's been a fun show. I'm happy we had a victory uh, for the first week. Uh, I hope that the Commanders have a wonderful second week, and uh, hopefully we'll have less tech issues next week, and uh, uh, we'll have our return to Twitch. But I really do appreciate you, Champ, for co-hosting, and hopefully we'll have CP3 joining us back next week as well. But uh, thank you again for everything. Any final thoughts before I end the show? Uh, no, I'm just excited for the return of Hell's Kitchen and Hell and uh, Kitchen Nightmares in a couple of weeks from Gordon Ramsay. That's it. Other than that, Nokigenyo, sayonara. Thank you so much. And uh, once again, we're uh, DC Sports Without the Politics. This has been episode 312, uh, Victory Monday. Uh, we'll be back with episode 313 next week where we'll uh, recap the uh, the Broncos game. We'll talk about the Mystics playoff situation, maybe talk a little bit more baseball playoffs uh, as that sort of uh, rounds into form as well, uh, and also talk a little bit of soccer and uh, how they're doing in their standings as well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. This is Robbie signing off.